Hello everyone and welcome back to The Bridgehead. My name is Jonathan Van Maren and today we're going to be having a conversation with the author of a fairly recent book that quite a few of you have probably heard of. It's called Gosnell, The Untold Story of America's Most Prolific Serial Killer. This book was written by a husband and wife writing team, uh, Anne McElhenney and Philem McAleer. And I actually, I believe I met one of them at Kermit Gosnell's trial on the final day because I actually remember meeting an Irish journalist there. That was a couple of years ago, of course. But now they've got this book. It turns out they found this to be an extraordinarily fascinating story. I didn't have the book when I actually conducted this interview. I hadn't been able to find it yet. Uh, it was sold out of all the bookstores I went to, but I've actually got myself a copy of it now. And there's just a, a few of the things found in this book uh, that I didn't know. I, I went to the Gosnell trial. I watched the prosecution's closing arguments, but this book was full of horrifying details that I I hadn't heard of. Uh, for example, it, it showed that Gosnell was one of the biggest suppliers of illegal prescriptions in the entire state of Pennsylvania. Uh, one fact that was just appalling uh, that shows up pretty early in the book is that Gosnell was actually allowed to perform an abortion in the middle of a police raid. Yeah, you actually heard that right. I'm not going to tell the whole story. You can pick up the book for that, but just truly appalling. Uh, it's it's. It's a very palpably evil place, the Gosnell Clinic. I actually visited it when I was in Philadelphia uh, for the final day of the trial. And I actually met a, met a girl who, when I asked her if she knew what the building was, she said, yeah, that's Gosnell's clinic. And I asked her how she knew, and she told me she had had an abortion there uh, herself. So this book is really worth reading, especially as it documents the cover-up so thoroughly. And the, uh, when I was discussing this with Anne, one of the things that struck me too was the difference between uh, herself approaching this case and the way I did. Because of course, I approached the case as somebody who works full-time in the pro-life movement. She really approached it as a journalist. And in my own book, The Culture War, uh, I actually talk about visiting the trial and, and, and listening to the closing arguments. And what really stood out for me was the schizophrenia between a prosecutor who had to defend legal abortion while prosecute Gosnell for his late-term abortion. And as you'll hear in the interview, Anne wasn't struck by the same things as I was. She was struck by different things entirely. So I found this to be a very fascinating and worthwhile conversation. And, and of course, since that interview, I've picked up the book and I really encourage you all to do the same. It's, a, it's an inside snapshot of what the abortion industry looks like. And keep in mind uh, that if, if you listen to, to pro-life activists like Troy Newman, who work to shut down abortion clinics, they make one case over and over again. And that is that Kermit Gosnell was not an aberration. So here's that conversation. First of all, uh, what made you interested in the Kermit Gosnell story? Um, well, I'm a journalist, and I like stories that, that are not getting reported by anybody else. I mean, that's a niche market that's uh, very appealing, you know. Um, this story didn't get as much media attention as it should have done, so um, I was very happy to pick up the slack where, where other journalists didn't think this was a story. What, what made you notice it first? Because I know a lot of mainstream journalists didn't even hear about the story and, until a concerted social media campaign changed that. Yeah, I mean, we came across it because Salem McAleer, my husband, was in Philadelphia on another story and, and heard about this local story, went into the courtroom and, and, and saw the evidence and heard the witnesses giving, giving statements and thought, this is extraordinary. This is something that we should be involved with. So uh, that's, that's how it started for us. 
So what was your, your, your thoughts on, on abortion going in? How did you initially perceive the story of Kermit Gosnell? Um, I, well, I didn't know much about any, any of, you know, I didn't know any, anything much about abortion, and I certainly didn't know anything about Kermit Gosnell, so I was just a journal, a curious journalist covering an extraordinary uh, criminal trial. And so now this, the, your coverage of this has resulted in both a book, which is, has been very widely praised. I was, I was initially told to read it by a professor of literature at Uni- Liberty University, as well as, as a documentary. So it, it's gotten a lot, of, a lot of buzz. How did this progress just from, from uh, coverage as a curious journalist into essentially a passion project involving both a book and a film? Yeah, it's, just to correct you, there's no documentary being made by us. Um, we're not making a documentary. So we've made a movie, um, a mainstream, you know, a movie, a Hollywood movie with actors. Right. Um, yeah, we didn't make a documentary. So, um, a, you know, I, the best way to get, a, to, get a, to get a story out to a really large population is, to, is, is, in, is in movies. Nothing quite um, gets to a bigger audience than that. So that was kind of the reason for that. And we did a crowdfunding campaign and raised two, $2.3 million from over 29,000 people in 47 countries. Wow. So what did, what did the Gosnell story really teach you guys about abortion as you covered the story? And I, I was actually, uh, I, I do a bit of freelance work as well, and I attended the, the final arguments of the Gosnell trial in Philadelphia. Uh, you guys might have been there, actually. And I was just struck by the, the graphic evidence of, of the scissors in, in, in the backs of the baby's necks and things like that. But what did you feel like you learned about the abortion industry during the process of your investigation? Uh, I think you just, I mean, you obviously, the, you know, some of the people who took the witness stand were, you know, legal abortionists who described the abortion process. I mean, I think it's pretty barbaric, and for people who don't know much about it or have been, you know, told that it's all very, you know, clinical or whatever, it's quite a, it's quite an education. So I think we were quite shocked by, you know, and also just learning about the abortion law in America, which, you know, you can have an abortion 40 weeks right up to the end of a pregnancy. I think a lot of people don't know that. So in, in all kinds of ways, it was, it was quite an education. It was certainly a story that needed to be covered um, and that, that did reveal a lot about, about the abortion industry in America that I think most people just don't know. What were some of the details of, of the Gosnell case that, that really stood out to you as you first initially engaged with that story? I remember the, the first, the first uh, time I ran across an article on the Gosnell story, it was actually an article put out uh, by a pro-choice group and they were blaming uh, pro-life restrictions on clinics for the reason that Gosnell and, and ab- other abortionists like him got away with that. My first introduction to the story was actually from a pro-choice source, and that's when I started looking at the court documents and I downloaded the testimony. Uh, what, was, what was your initial reaction reading through all this testimony? Um, just, I was shocked. I shocked that no journalist decided to cover it. I mean, it was pretty shocking that the abortion clinic itself hadn't been, you know, inspected by the Department of Health in Pennsylvania in over 17 years. Um, you know, there was, there was an awful lot of, I mean, everything about this story is quite shocking, how disgustingly dirty the place was, the fact that there was cats roaming through the place, that he was eating his food in the procedure rooms, you know, that complaints were made and nobody did anything about them, that two women died, and that didn't inspire the Department of Health in Harrisburg to inspect. I mean, it's... It's, it, it just goes on and on and on. Obviously, we wrote a book about this, kind of covering all of it, because um, there's so much detail. There's so much to be to be shocked at. Um, so 
So that's kind of why why we did that. For listeners who aren't really familiar with the, the Kermit Gosnell story, maybe I give just a, a bit of a rundown of, of what your book is about and what the Kermit Gosnell story really is all about. Well, Kermit Gosnell is a, is a doctor. Um, he's African-American. He's 72 years old. Um, he's now serving three life sentences in, in Huntington Prison in Pennsylvania for delivering babies alive and then cutting their necks with scissors, which did over a 30-year period. So the, 30, the three babies that he was done for in the end, you know, are probably just a sample of the number that he actually did. So that's why we call him, you know, America, probably America's biggest serial killer. Um, you know, the, the, the story is just a, a, a litany of, of failures on behalf of the Department of Health, obviously, in, in Pennsylvania, the Department of State, the Department of Sanitation in Philadelphia. You know, numerous people who worked for him complained about him. Obviously, two women died. Um, and so in the book, we, we chronicle all of that. We also chronicle the long uh, trial, which, you know, had all these uh, witnesses taking the stand and describing in detail what had gone on in the clinic over all those years. Um, the workers, many of them took the stand. Uh, almost all of them went to prison for short periods um, because he taught all of the workers that worked for him to do what he did, which was cut the necks of these babies. Um, and that's what they did when he wasn't there. The babies were delivered alive. He didn't attempt, in a lot of cases, to even try to abort them. He, um, you know, he filled the women up with drugs that um, that made them dilate, and the children basically fell out. Is how somebody described them on the on, on the stand. So it's a kind, of, it's an absolutely extraordinary story, and extraordinary that, that as I said, that it didn't get any kind of coverage. Um, and we're going to change all that. The book, as you probably know, is a New York Times bestseller, sold out on every platform uh, within almost about 24 hours after it came out on the 24th of January. Um, and the, the film, you know, is hopefully going to come out in September, and that's what we're working on now and trying to get distribution for the film. How? Uh, what kind of reaction have you gotten back? I know it's it's been it's been selling like crazy, which means a huge audience that hasn't been exposed to this is being exposed to it. And those who maybe read a bit about the trial are getting uh, getting the full picture. What have you been hearing back from readers about the book? So we've got we've gotten very very positive feedback. Obviously, people are very shocked. It's very upsetting reading the book. Um, makes people some people get you know physically ill literally with some of the descriptions that are taken from, you know, testimony during the trial and from the grand jury. Um, but overall, I mean, we've had nothing but very, very positive responses from readers, and um, and it's been very gratifying. People are writing to us on our Facebook page and, and telling us that they couldn't put it down. They read it in the one sitting. Did you manage to interview a lot of people for this book? I know uh, when I went to Philadelphia, I, I went down to the clinic there, and, I, you know, it was all boarded up. So, you know, the, the walls have been smashed in and the, the filing cabinets were lying all over the place. There was, as you say, cat feces all over the place. And one of the first girls I talked to in front of the clinic, I just spent 20 minutes in front of the clinic asking people if they knew what had taken place there. And one of the girls said, yeah, I, I got an abortion there. And they, they gave me so many painkillers that I blacked out for the whole thing. What sort of, did you manage to track down anybody who, who had, uh, had an experience with the Gosnell Clinic in your research? Yeah, um, you haven't had a chance to read the book. I obviously, um, yeah, we talked to obviously to a lot of people. We spoke to the cops. We spoke to the FBI, the DEA, the two district attorneys. We spoke to patients who had been there. We spoke to staff, the staff who had been there. We interviewed all of them, and obviously we interviewed Gosnell himself. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we we spent over a year writing the book, so clearly, you know, we it, it was a major a major research. 
um, operation. So, yeah, we pretty much spoke to everyone that, that was connected with it. Yeah, I actually have a copy uh, for myself coming in online because your book sold so well that by the time I got to the bookstores here in Canada, there were no copies left. Uh, it, I love it. I love it. Well, e-books, the great thing is that you can always get an e-book. You can always download the e-book, even when it's obviously when it's, when it's sold out in paperback the, 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 or in the hardback. You can get the e-book and you can get the audio book, which in fact I actually read the audio book myself. Um, and it's selling. It's also selling very, very well. But the e-book is available. What's great about the e-book, it's available everywhere, like all the time. Um, and a lot of people like to do that. They don't even need to get a Kindle for that. Any device, it can be downloaded onto Oh, perfect. Uh, and just for our listeners, where would the best place to, uh, to, to get this ebook be? Yeah, just go to gosnellbook.com. Gosnellbook.com. G-O-S-N-E-L-L book.com. And, they, and they'll find the book in all the formats there. So what's the ambition for the book beyond just as a journalist? You're covering a, a true crime story with many dimensions. It's a very dramatic story in many ways, but the amount of time you've spent on, on the book and the film, and, and you've kind of dedicated yourself to the publicization of the story, what are your ambitions beyond uh, just good journalism? Um, I, sorry, I, 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 don't know, I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I'm a journalist, so... That's 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 the that's the reward in itself. I mean, that's what that's what we want to do is be good journalists and tell these stories. So, um, you know, and obviously just getting it out there. That's what, that's really that's what we that's the ambition. The, the ambition is that the film will be watched, and the ambition is that the book will be read. That's that's us. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not activists. That's somebody else's job. So people can be activists. We get the job of a journalist is not to be an activist. We've a, you know there's too, a bit too many people calling themselves journalists, but who are actually activists. Right. We're not those people. We're people who report the news, report the facts, and that's the service that we feel is very valuable. That, that and, and and particularly in this case where nobody else was. Well, it's interesting, yeah, that you, you mentioned that a lot of journalists are activists and vice versa. Why do you think that it took so long for this story to be picked up? Uh, you know, I mean, well, I mean, we have a chapter, actually, there's a whole chapter devoted to that in the book, where many in the media said they weren't going to cover this story because of the fact that it might have a negative impact on Roe v. Wade. So a lot of, a lot of you know, um, sort of uh, lefty journalists really just didn't want to touch it for that very reason, you know. So um, uh, we have, as I said, we did a whole chapter in the book, we, you know, interviewed a lot of people, um, we quoted a lot of people in the media who described exactly why it was that they wouldn't cover the case, you know. So um, it's 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 extraordinary. I mean, everything about this story is extraordinary. But I have to say, you know, the media's complicity in trying to cover it up is is, is uh, you know is singular. So what was it like to interview Kermit Gosnell? Um, you know, I mean, he's an extraordinary guy. He's a narcissist. He's very relaxed. He's you know, he just sits there and smiles and, you know, behaves very much like as though he was, you know, at a, on a rec, you know, on, on vacation. I mean, he has no no remorse, no regret. He doesn't feel that he'll be vindicated, but he'll be, um, but, you know, everyone in the end will understand that he did a great thing, that he was serving this poor population of these says, you know. So, um, I mean, it's very interesting, actually, to, to, to hear from the horse's mouth, you know, his explanation for everything. And he lies very, very easily and... Uh, has sort of an answer for everything, but the answers make no sense. Did you did you catch this strange story? I believe I read it uh, in, in the Daily Mail and a couple of other papers a couple of weeks ago, where uh, Dr. Kermit Gosnell has actually appealed to the actor Will Smith, claiming that he delivered Will Smith as a, as a child. 
That's right. Yeah, we give we give the Daily Mail that story. I mean, that's what that's what Kermit Gosnell claims. He wrote a whole letter to that effect. So that's yeah, incredible. What sorts of, of of things when we when you look at what happens? Because uh, you know, as activists, right, a lot of pro life activists had looked at the story and they said, "This is what the abortion industry is like." However, you're just you're covering one specific story, and as you say, you're just uh, a journalist ensuring that all the facts are accurate and, and are getting out there. But what sort of extrapolations can we make, if any, about the abortion industry when we're looking at the microcosm of, of Kermit Gosnell? Well, I mean, the very the, the very simple thing that you know here was an abortion clinic in Pennsylvania that the Pennsylvania authorities would not uh, inspect in 17 years, even though two people died there. So that tells you an awful lot about um, abortion clinics in Pennsylvania and probably abortion clinics in other places, that there is a reluctance on behalf of the state to do any kind of inspections, to do any checkups, to, you know, when forms weren't being filled in, when even the bureaucracy wasn't being, the, the, the rules weren't being followed, that they did absolutely nothing. So the idea that this is this guy is an outlier is, you know, is kind of far-fetched, actually, given the fact that we know for a fact that in the Pennsylvania case, they, he, 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 no matter what he did, he never got into trouble. He never decided to get in a car to check him out, even though people died. So it would make one at least, at, at the at very least, very suspicious that this type of thing is going on elsewhere. Did you find when you were when you're in the courtroom listening to the testimony, I found it a very bizarre experience. I was I wasn't there for the whole trial. I just reported on the final day, uh, where both the the defense and the prosecution were making their arguments. But what struck me about the the prosecution's argument in court was the way that he continually attempted to and failed to distinguish between abortion and infanticide. He would be trying to make these very compelling arguments against uh, Dr. Kermit Gosnell's practice of snipping, um, and then he would try to distinguish it uh, from abortion, but have a very difficult time to do so, especially because the testimony from abortionists um, that they were trying to convict Gosnell on were very clear about things uh, such as the baby has to be manually uh, dismembered and removed, uh, and that's why Gosnell's actions were illegal, because he delivered the baby alive and then killed it. Did you find that there was almost a, a schizophrenia about the way the arguments proceeded? No. Um, no, I, did, I, I definitely didn't find that myself. I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty rational, pretty logical. I mean, they, what they needed to establish was whether or not the children were alive. That was, that was really what it all came down to, um, and whether or not there was sufficient evidence to prove that they actually ever lived. Um, and that was kind of where everything hinged, because if the children weren't alive, you know, then then it was an abortion, and then it's fine. Um, so the the whole thing was about whether or not the children were delivered alive. Did they move? Did they breathe? Did their chest go up and down? Did an arm go back and forth? That was kind of that was the thing that they were arguing about. And obviously, McMahon was saying that that didn't happen, and uh, the prosecution was saying it did. And the prosecution had a lot of uh, witnesses who it was not in their interest to say that that happened, but they said that that happened. That the children were moving and breathing, and they had lots and lots of cases. Where they where they said that, and in the end, it was the three that did them. When when we look at, at the case overall, because eventually it did get a, a lot of mainstream media coverage, and and when the mainstream media coverage, like Anderson Cooper, I think was one of the first big journalists to break and cover the story, but then there was a lot of pushback from from abortion groups saying. Well, this is just because abortion rights are under attack everywhere, and and, and pro-lifers essentially create the conditions 
uh, for Kermit Gosnells, and they kind of threw him under the bus, which I know in some interviews uh, he, he was really bothered by, because as you say, he really felt like he was just doing this population a service. Do you think that overall um, coverage of the Gosnell story did hurt the, the reputation of the abortion industry, as a lot of journalists initially feared? Um. I, it's hard to know, but um, I think, you know, even though you say that the mainstream media eventually did turn up, and they did, it was so brief and was so um, so small, the amount of coverage they gave the case, that it didn't make an impact. I mean, most people in America have never heard of Gosnell. I know pro-life people who've never heard of Gosnell. So, I mean, you know, so basically, you know, it, it, I, I doubt it made any difference because most people have never heard of him. That's the reason we wrote the book. That's the reason we've made this film. Because people haven't heard of him. People don't know who he is. Well, with that in mind, then, uh, to, to close off, can you tell our listeners uh, where, they can, where they can get the book? You've told them where they can get the ebook, how they can access and watch the film, especially for listeners here in Canada. Because as I said, when I went uh, out to my local chapters and then I went to a second bigger chapters, they were already all sold out of the book. That's great. I love to hear that. So, yeah, people can go to just go to gosnellbook.com and it'll bring you to the landing page, either Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And you can buy the ebook there, or you can go to, you know, I, I'm not sure which of the outlets in, in Canada hard source, but best to buy it online. It's, it's very easy. Just go to gosnellbook.com. And if you want to find out about the movie, go to gosnellmovie.com. Um, as I said, the movie is not out yet. We're hoping for a release in September, and we're hoping that the film will then be released in Canada and Australia and all these other places where we got a lot of support from people who wanted the movie to be made and wanted us to, to get this story out there. So, you know, gosnellbook.com, gosnellmovie.com, and I really appreciate any all, all help. And people buy the book, please buy the book, buy the audio book. And if you want, you can give a dollar to the gosnellmovie.com just as a vote in favor of of getting this film out there. We need all the help we can get. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this. Thanks a million. I appreciate it. Bye now. Bye.